1847, a French priest commissioned uh, a local poet, um, Placide Capot de Remarque. Uh, he commissioned him to write a Christmas poem. Uh, Remarque uh, wasn't really a churchgoer, was sort of nominal at best, and, and wrote this poem. But he was so pleased with what he'd come up with that he had hired a local musician um, to write some music to go along with these words. Uh, the musician himself didn't believe the words. Uh, he was a Jewish man who didn't believe in, in the Savior who was in uh, the manger. Um, but he came up with the, the, the lyrics and, and the music and put it together and created this hymn. And uh, over time, uh, uh, Capot really walked away from the church. He disowned the church, walked away. And, and when some of the French church leadership discovered this about uh, the writer and, and also the, the truth of uh, the one who composed the music, they kind of tucked the hymn away. It was sort of forgotten about for about a decade. Uh, when an American uh, writer came across this old French hymn and, uh, and translated it into English. And, and uh, the American writer was specifically taken by some of the, the lines at the end of the hymn about chains being broken and being set free as an abolitionist in the North during the Civil War. Uh, the hymn really rang true for him. And so it was translated into English and it became a, a celebrated Christmas favorite, uh, particularly in the North at the time. Uh, and, and since then, it's spread and, and become more and more popular, the hymn, O Holy Night. So, uh, O Holy Night, let's, let's dig into it. Some of it uh, is going to be very familiar and some not as much. Um, o Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till He appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Uh, he's writing, uh, the author here, Capot, is writing from, from trying to imagine being there in the moment. What would it be like in that moment, knowing the darkness and the despair and the sin and the brokenness of the world leading up to that moment where God breaks in, uh, in that manger scene? What, what would it have been like to have been there? And he acknowledges the hopelessness of the world before Jesus, the separation of the Gentiles, that this idea of hearts of stone unable to come to God, that we all once were sinners, as the Apostle Paul would say, condemned and separated, but God. And this is the, 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 this crucial but God moment where he breaks into creation. He's trying to capture the magnitude of this moment that hope broke into the darkness. Then the chorus, fall on your knees, your knees. O oh, hear the angel voices, O oh, night divine. O oh, night when Christ was born, O oh, night, O oh, holy night, O oh, night divine. Um, Christ, as I'm sure you know, Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's not Jesus H. Christ. Uh, but Christ means the anointed one, the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for. Jesus, the one who has broken in. Led by the light of faith serenely beaming, with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. So, led by light of star sweetly gleaming, here comes the wise men from Orient land. The king of kings lay thus in lowly manger, in all our trials, born to be our friend. Uh, there's an emphasis here on sort of the absurdity of the king of kings lying in a feeding trough in a stable. Then the chorus, the second chorus, He knows our need, to our weakness no stranger. Behold your king, before him lowly bend. Behold your king, 
your king before him bend. Then the third verse, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. And so it's this image of the law turning into love, that these old chains that held us captive are being broken free. And even going back perhaps to the imagery we saw a couple of weeks ago in Philemon uh, of slaves being set free, of, of the slave becoming our brother. It's the gospel being good news and this image almost of riding into town and proclaiming victory, victory over slavery, victory over captivity. And the final chorus, Christ is the Lord then ever. Uh, ever we praise Him, His power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory evermore proclaim. Um, it's interesting as we look at the history of the hymn that's written by a man who was nominal in his faith and, and then walked away completely and, and also then written the, the music written by a man who didn't believe at all, who, who was Jewish. Um, and when, as you look at today, it's actually a, a really popular hymn performed by countless pop artists. And it's shocking actually to see some of the people who, who will sing this hymn on their Christmas albums who, who have no faith whatsoever, um, yet they sing... Oh, holy night. Um, but often when this is done nowadays, the central chorus and verse is skipped. It's just the first and the third. And I think there's something to that. Because as we look at that central chorus, it talks about the lordship of Jesus. Um, the, first is, the, the first chorus is, is really about uh, the sentimentality of this baby in a manger and about hope breaking in and about uh, light in the darkness, something sort of sentimental and there's an emotion there. And, and the final verse and chorus is about uh, equality, it's about love, it's about caring for each other. And, and those are, are pretty universal things that people can get behind. But, but the second chorus in particular talks about bending our knees to the King. And as we talk about faith this week, I think uh, that's, that's the important piece. Is, is it's one thing in Christmas season to talk about sentimentality uh, and to love the feelings that come along with the season. Uh, and, and we can all love this hymn and, and the emotions that it brings, and the memories it brings. But the core central piece is whether or not we actually bend our knees and submit to the Lordship of Jesus, to our King. Behold your King, before Him lowly bend. Behold your King, before him bend. And, and there's this discrepancy that I see here when it comes to Christmas and when it comes to faith. Do we like the emotion, the sentimentality of Christmas, or do we, we cut into this, the very center of it all and the, the center of this hymn and, and the question that forces us to make a decision, who is in the manger? And are we willing to bow our knee to Jesus as the Lord. And so um, this hymn for me, again, I think is, is just a, a, really, a really poignant illustration of is, is Christmas about feeling or is it about faith in a person? Faith in our Lord. And that's kind of the central question that we were posed at Christmas. Who is the baby in the manger? And do we sing the second course. 
Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you that, uh, that you did break into the darkness. Uh, God, that it was a holy night where you came as our Savior and you did come loving us first so that we could love each other. But Jesus, help us to, to stop and meditate on that central key uh, theme, which is the Lordship of Jesus, to bowing our knees to you, of following you with all that we are and all that we have. And help us to see you as Lord and not just as, as uh, a sentimental baby. Help us to follow you as Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hope you have a great day. We'll talk again soon.